Hi, everybody. Welcome to this second uh, session in this series we have that's called Making Your Setback Your Comeback. Today, we're looking at setback from change to a new life comeback. We're going to focus on how to you go from change to a really new life. And we'll focus in just a little bit on Joseph from the Old Testament. Well, in the series, we're looking our, at ourselves to see if we're stuck in any area of our lives. H- have you heard the story of this, this man and this family who had a really bad attitude? <laughs> see, this man walked into the family room of his house, and he said, it stinks in here. And he announced that loudly, and then he moved on to the kitchen. It stinks in here too, he said again. And then he walked into the dining room, And this room stinks as well, he said, screwing up his face as he did. His family looked at him and said in one united voice, you have cheese on your mustache. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, he washed it off and of course everything started to smell better. You know, it's easy to complain about the world around us, isn't it? But usually the place to look when we're stuck And when we have a lot of complaining going on, is deep inside ourselves. You know, isn't that the case? We think things stink around us, but we may be at fault because we're looking at things differently. Well, most of us have been stuck in this crazy time warp for a year and a half or, or now longer, and it continues. And we probably have said this. Has anybody said, this stinks? Yes, I know that I have. Well, this pandemic we're in has really brought a lot of change to us, hasn't it? Well, some have embraced it and others have not embraced it so much. And so now we start asking the question, what do we do with what has happened to us? So in many ways, we have experienced a setback. Let's think about that word because what it implies is that we are set in the back. We're set back. That means we are stuck. We've been in this holding pattern and now we're waiting for life to begin again, to begin anew, to have a restart or a reboot. Well, we want to make this setback in our lives an opportunity for a comeback. So what is a comeback? Well, in sports, it means to overcome a deficit. It's like this resurgence. In a way, it's reviving something that is not very alive. So it's a revival. Can I hear it for the revival? That's what we want. You know, as I look around at the WOW group, uh, the the Bible study group we have with um, all these beautiful women, it's making a comeback. After months of of sitting at home and watching the lessons on Facebook Live or on YouTube, we're having a resurgence. We're having a revival, actually. We've been revived. We're making a comeback. We had 83 last week in class in the middle of a a COVID pandemic, and that is remarkable. Uh, God, you know, is going to do something new in our WOW group. Uh, because we are eager to learn, to have fellowship with each other, to, to, to have Bible study and to learn ways that we can improve our lives. But he also wants to make something new in each of us. He wants us all to make comebacks of the setbacks in our lives. 
Let's look at this verse found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what he's doing in us. He's taking all those old things, that, and, and we're, we're, here, we're to look at those as passed away. They're gone, and we have become new. The NIV says it this way, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. The new is here. Well, this verse reminds us that as followers of Christ, we have made a commitment to leave the past behind, to come out of a setback, and to stop our stinking thinking, to let those things be old, and to become new creatures in Him. We have new life in Him. So how would it look if you experienced a spiritual recharge in your life when you have experienced change. How would that look? Well, we're going to take a look at this change process by looking at the book, Who Moved My Cheese by Dr. Spencer Johnson. All right, who all is familiar with that? Well, you know, we, we read this years ago, if you were in corporate America or if you were in the school system and many other workplaces, uh, bosses wanted everybody to look at this because it describes how we experience change. So Dr. Johnson explores the lives of four characters. Now there are two mice and two little mini human beings that we call the little people. Well, the, their cheese for all of these has been moved. So let's think about what that means because this is like a fable, it's a metaphor. And so cheese in this case is a metaphor for whatever nourishes you, whether it's a good job, a loving relationship, money, possessions, good health, peace of mind, anything that can be your source of comfort and security. So I want you to be thinking of that, thinking of what your cheese is. What is the thing that nourishes you or has nourished you in the past and it may have been moved? Well, some of you have really, we all have a wide range of things that have changed in our lives, that cheese that's been moved. These are considered setbacks. So for many of you, it could, have, could be um, finances. For some, it could be retirement. For some, it could be relationship issues. It could be that those uh, adorable adult children are now having issues and that uh, comfort zone with them has changed. Or maybe you've experienced a loss of some kind or an illness. So whatever your source of comfort, security, or meaning in your life, that has changed, that is your cheese. So keep that in mind as we talk about this little fable. Now we have uh, some characters that we want to look at and see how they handled their setbacks. Two of the characters are called Sniff and Scurry, and they are the mice, and they have an industrious and uncomplicated way of finding the cheese. It's kind of trial and error. You know what? They don't overthink things. They try out lots of different routes and they experience, 
uh, experience their journey in sort of a, a positive way. They're in search of something new. And one day, they find a new store of cheese. Well, the other two characters are called Him and Haw. They are like little people, little humans. Well, they have a much more sophisticated way of thinking. Uh, they have a lot of analytical skills. And, you know, they end up finding the large stockpile of cheese also. And so the difference is in their attitudes toward their situation. Those little people called him and Hall take the cheese for granted, assuming it is always going to be there. Well, and in contrast, the mice... Uh, are, are going to stay alert to their surroundings. They're going to know what's happening. They are aware of what's going on in their life. And they notice that the quality and supply of cheese is slowly dwindling. One day, the cheese is gone. Well, how these characters cope with this change offers lessons for us in, in not only surviving but thriving despite inevitable changes in life. So let's look at, at this. These little simple-minded mice called Sniff and Scurry don't overthink things. They quickly accept the fact that their cheese has been moved and they accept it for what it is. They don't curse the world or, or the environment around them and say, this isn't fair. You know what? They don't have stinking thinking. <laughs> they don't find the mice cave and hide out for an extended period. They adapt to the change and immediately head out to look for new cheese. And it takes this real effort for them they eventually find happiness in the form of a huge new pile of cheese. Wow, does that sound familiar to anybody? Be thinking about whether you are like Sniff and Scurry and you can quickly move on when a change has happened. Well, in contrast, those little people called him and Hall are shocked to lose the cheese. They had felt entitled to it. They curse the world for all of its unfairness. And then they sit around waiting for the cheese to reappear. And they become increasingly frustrated. <clears throat> they say, it's not coming back and I am stuck here. And even him yells out, who moved my cheese? Well, eventually, hunger is gnawing at Hall. He realizes his situation isn't going to improve unless he changes his attitude and behavior. So you know what he does? He goes back out into the maze to find new cheese. Well, it's scary and it's going to take hard work, but he has a vision in front of him now. It is the picture of him finding cheese again and that is the image of joy. This is what pushes him outward. He leaves him behind. Him refuses to move, and he continues fuming at the unfairness of his situation. Well, in the meantime, Hall is out there looking for new cheese. He is overcoming the barriers to adapting to change. He realizes that his fear of going out was overblown. 
He had let this fear build up in his mind. And in reality, he says, it wasn't that bad. He encounters setbacks, though, as he is continuing through that maze. But he realizes he's still happier because he's taking control of his life rather than being a victim of his situation. Well, as he is learning new lessons along the way, he writes messages on the wall just in case him decides to leave and read them. Well, finally, he finds a new giant pile of cheese. It's even bigger than the first one. Well, Sniff and Scurry have already been there for some time, happily enjoying the cheese. And Hall reflects on how far he has come since the first cheese pile ran out. And do you know what he resolves to do? He says, in the future, I am going to see change differently. Well, back in the mice cave is him. It seems that him is hemmed in to his world of frustration, stubbornness, fear, and anger. We don't know if he ever left his, his setback, his cave of despair. Do you know he was quite threatened by the change he was experiencing? Um, he, uh, he was stuck there in fear instead of moving out for a better future, a new life. So did anybody find themselves in one of these characters? Are you like Sniff and Scurry that just all of a sudden realize that change has happened, I need to accept it, and I need to move on and rebuild from there and have new life? Are any of you like Hall? And you sit and ponder and reflect for a while, but then you make a plan and realize that you need to get out and move forward in life. Or are any of you like him and you stay hemmed in to your situation and your circumstances? Well, then ask yourself, what do you do when your cheese is moved? You know, as human beings, it's really natural for us to view change as a threat and to be afraid of change, especially when it comes on unexpectedly. And let's think about that. We, we often get unexpected change, and then we are real, our world is turned upside down. If you've experienced a sudden death or gotten a sudden phone call of bad news, or you've realized that suddenly you're going to have to pick up and move, or if you have been employed somewhere and you find suddenly that you've either lost your job or you have uh, to change your office or your location, that can be really upsetting. And that is an example of when your cheese has been moved. And so we often put our guard up and we want to go back to what we know and we want to avoid change like the plague. Well, in a sense... Um, it, 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 when we're experiencing change like this, it's not looking back to what we lost, but what we want to do is to move forward to what lies ahead. The idea is that we can use our setbacks of change for comebacks. Change can bring an opportunity for new life, and that is a beautiful way to look at change. 
Change is an opportunity. Well, we can say it's an opportunity for new life and a revival in our life. Well, we want to look now at a biblical character uh, who dealt with setbacks of change time and time again. When, when I was preparing this lesson, I began to think of which biblical character had lots of changes in life and perhaps modeled how to deal with that. And I decided that Joseph in the Old Testament was going to be a model of someone who's experienced change and made, uh, made comeback after comeback. So um, as we begin this, uh, this part of the lesson on Joseph, keep in mind the most recent change you've experienced, whether it has to do with health or finance or COVID or relationships or diagnosis or loss or whatever it is, and either write it down in your notes or write it in your memory. Changes <clears throat> can force us uh, to, to make um, to view life differently when we go through those changes. You know, changes also can be forced on us by circumstances or they can be other people's choices. So all of that plays into our attitude. Sometimes we choose change, don't we? Uh, change can take, take place gradually over a course of time and we may not even be aware that something is changing. But one day we realize that things are different from how they used to be. So here's something I'd like for you to know. We often fear change because it involves replacing the familiar with the different. We fear change because it involves replacing the familiar with the different. But consider this about change. If nothing ever changed there'd be no butterflies. And aren't we thankful for that kind of change? So I've given you a continuum to look at on your handout. And so you see a line on the page. And on the left side, I put the word resistant. And so that's where some people fall when it comes to change, being resistant to change. And then on the far side, I put the word resilient. And so some are resilient and it becomes stronger. And if you're resilient, then you move into the category of thriving through change and not just surviving through change. You become very victorious instead of a victim. And so I'd like for you to mark where you fall on that line in, in the continuum of resistant to resilient. Now, some of you might need uh, two lines because you experience change in your personal life different from how you experience in your professional life. So that might be something for you to, to study and to think about as well. Just know this, that God is in the middle of all of the details of change. And he wants to use all that is happening to us in the change process to accomplish his good purposes. He is going to be in the middle. He's going to be in the beginning. He's going to be in the middle. And he's going to be the, in the end. And he will use all of that for good if we give it over to him and live according to his calling on our lives. This is what Joseph did. Well, Joseph was the 11th son of Jacob. 
and he was the firstborn son of the beloved wife, Rachel. Jacob now shows Joseph favoritism. He has this special garment made for the brother also. Now imagine the sibling rivalry rivalry that's been taking place over Joseph and this elevated status that he has at home. What changes are ahead for dear Joseph. Um, We're going to look at a lot of words that begin with P. I'm going to walk you through all of the changes and we'll see that he has a promise He goes to the pit, he experiences prosperity, he gets put in prison, and he ends up in a palace. And we're going to look at how Joseph dealt with change through all those experiences. Well, he's 17 years old when his promise began. We read in uh, Genesis 37 verse 5, one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Well, that indicates they already hated him, doesn't it? And so there's something there uh, in that. They hated him more than they had ever hated him before. Well, here is what Joseph said. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up and your bundles, dear brothers, all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Oh, dear me. Do you think that teenager Joseph was just a bit overconfident? You know, he was his father's favorite. And he now has been given this wonderful promise. He's been given this promise that he is going to have people bow down before him. And he has also been given this gift of dream interpretation. Well, he sees that God has big plans for his life, but he became boastful. He bragged about his gift, and that made his brothers angry. Well, through Joseph's dream, he realized that in his future, he is going to have a lot of changes in his life. Shortly after he receives God's promise, his, Joseph's bragging and his brother's anger led to a huge change for Joseph. Joseph found himself in a pit. Well, we read in Genesis 37, verses 23 to 25. So it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the very colored tunic that was on him, and they took him and threw him into the pit. You see, those brothers had this jealousy that grew into anger and then into ugly rage, and they wanted to kill him. Everything that was familiar to Joseph was whisked away when he fell to the bottom of that pit. You know, when we are in our pit after we've experienced change, it's time for us to reflect. It's time for us to think, to consider. When we're in the pit, some of us think, spend time thinking about what got us there and what will get us out. Others choose to sit in the pit and stew. (laughs) Does that describe anybody? They dwell on their anger and their resistance to change and forgive or whatever else is necessary to get out of the pit. But here's what we want to do when we're in the pit. When we're in the pit, there's one way out and it is up. We want to look up. Well, when Joseph was put in the pit, it was an excruciating change. 
but Joseph got out of his pit. Some of his brothers pulled him out and they sold him to slave traders. Now Joseph had to face a 30-day journey through the desert. He was probably walking with chains on his feet and I imagine that with every step he took, he thought about the life he had left behind and what might be ahead for him. I imagine he rewrote the script of his life. I imagine he wanted a redo in that conversation he had with his brothers. Joseph got himself in a fix because he was overconfident and he began bragging to a group of already jealous brothers. He had an immature attitude and then his brother's anger got him in trouble. But do you know his troubles were just getting started? He moves on now and he has to deal with Potiphar. Well, Joseph is going to go through, first of all, this period of prosperity. Joseph found himself uh, serving Potiphar, who was a very wealthy officer in Pharaoh's service. Joseph ended up becoming very prosperous. God was with Joseph. And do you know what the scripture tells us about this? It says that Joseph succeeded in everything he did. Now that's the change we want, isn't it? Potiphar placed Joseph in charge of everything he owned. Now, Joseph was Potiphar's favorite. Well, in this season of Joseph's life, we see how well he adapted to change. He has learned something, it seems, from his experiences. Joseph had survived the pit, and now he was thriving. Joseph was moving toward resilience. This blessing now leads to his next change. Well, Joseph is now in the middle of his prosperity and success, but Joseph is tested. So we now move to another phase of his life, and we read in Genesis 39, verse 7. (coughs) And it came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph, and she said, lie with me but he refused. So Joseph rejected her advances, and then he continually avoided her. her. Day after day, she put pressure on Joseph, but he kept refusing her. Now, that's a kind of man we can admire, isn't isn't it? He kept refusing her. Now, one day, she grabbed him by his cloak, And when he tried to get away from her, she pulled on the cloak and she ripped it off of him and he left that cloak behind and she used the cloak for evidence that Joseph had seduced her. Well, Potiphar now is furious with Joseph for mistreating his wife. And so Potiphar has Joseph thrown into prison. All of a sudden, Joseph's life of leisure has ended. (coughs) Well, Joseph could have seen this situation as really hopeless. But Joseph remained steadfast, and he remained positive in this terribly dark period of his life. The scripture tells us, though, that God was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. 
And that's what we learn here uh, in our own lives is that God is faithful to us in the prisons of our life. He's faithful to us in the pits. He's faithful to us in the prosperous times of our lives. He was, he, you know what happened? He, he is thrown into prison and guess who? He becomes the favorite again. <coughs> He's now the favorite of the prison warden. And the prison warden puts Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. Well, so, so when the staff is discussing their dreams and what they could possibly mean, God uses Joseph again. Remember, God had given Joseph this special gift. God gives each of us a special gift also. Once we give our hearts and lives to him and we commit to to living for Christ uh, every day, he gives us this beautiful spiritual gift and he expects us to use it. And he gives us opportunities to use them. And that's what he did for Joseph. Joseph began to interpret the dreams of the staff. And this time he gave God credit for it. He didn't become a, a braggadocious boy any longer. We see that Joseph had faith and he had trusted in God and he has now matured in the changes of his life. Well, when your life gets turned upside down, how do you respond? You know, sometimes we are cruising through life and we're filled with hope and promise and then that proverbial rug gets pulled out from underneath us. Do you respond as Joseph did? because he relied on God to lead him through the good times and the hard times. Joseph was faithful. All right, his journey is not over. So we move to the next part of of his experience, and we see that now the king needs an interpreter for his dream. What? The dr- he needs a dream interpreter? That is what Joseph is. And do you know that the people must have been talking because he had already helped the staff. Uh, he had helped them to determine their dreams. And so when the king needed one, they were all ready to tell him, oh, Joseph is your man for that. Well, Joseph is hastily called from prison. Now, here's something to keep in mind. See, <clears throat> Joseph was hard at work in prison. <clears throat> he had no promise of, of release. And now he is suddenly being swept away to meet the Pharaoh of Egypt. And he's he's being called to use a gift that God had given him. Are we ready to use our gifts he gives us when he gives us the opportunity? If we're not, we're missing an opportunity to serve God. Joseph was ready when he was called on, and it was a sudden change. It was an abrupt change with no no warning at all. Minding our own business sometimes, these sudden change occurs. So Joseph didn't have time then to get prepared and get close to God. No, he already had a right relationship with God. So when God called him into duty, Joseph was ready. And do you know, he met with that king and he interpreted the dreams and he gave the king a survival plan for the next 14 years. He said, you're going to have some years of plenty and then you're going to have seven years of famine. Genesis 41 verse 38 tells us that Pharaoh recognized that Joseph 
and I want you to listen carefully, was a man filled with the Spirit of God. Do people say that about us? When we have experienced a change and people have watched us go through the change, are people saying, wow, she is filled with the Spirit of God. Wow, she is filled with God. Do they say that? That's what we want people to say. And people are watching us go through change. Well, Joseph was greatly rewarded for his response to the king. He went from prison to a palace. Pharaoh dressed up Joseph in fine linen clothing, and he hung this gold chain around his neck, and he made Joseph second in command. He put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. Wow! Joseph became Pharaoh's second in command, and he was only 30 years old. He is now Pharaoh's favorite, isn't he? Well, that, that gets us to another opportunity that Joseph is going to have because Jacob is sending his other sons to Egypt for grain, and guess who they have to appear before? They are going to have to appear before Joseph because Joseph is in charge of the grain. Now, this is 20 years later. And when those brothers arrive, there's this beautiful scene and it takes place over days when Joseph receives them and he sends them home and they come back. And what Joseph ends up doing with all of those brothers is he extends love and forgiveness to the ones that started him on this journey of change. Well, Joseph's story ends in the last chapter of the book of Genesis. Joseph has returned to Egypt, and he and his brothers are going to bury their father. Father is now dead, and so the, the brothers are fearful that Joseph is going to find retribution on the brothers. They fear that he's going to show anger, and he's going to pay them back for all the wrong that they had done. And these brothers broke down, they wept, and they begged Joseph to forgive him. <clears throat> Joseph's response to them serves as a model for dealing with life's changes. Whether they are self-imposed changes or, uh, change or other imposed changes in our lives. Joseph said this, and we read it in Genesis 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. He reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Wow, what a long way Joseph has come. He realized that God brought good through the changes. There's a, a verse in the, Old Te- the New Testament that reminds of the, us of this also. It's found in Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You see, Joseph's brothers had evil intentions toward him, but God used all of their actions to fulfill a great plan. 
He had sent Joseph ahead to Egypt to save their lives. God is a sovereign God. He knows all. And he goes before us to make a path for us. And his plans are not dictated by what we say and do. He, but he can take all the messes we make and the messes that other people make for us. And they, he can turn them into his message. And his message is always a message for good. So God can take all the changes that you look back on in your life and all those that you're going through right now, and he can put those all together and he can make something good come from that. It's hard for us to believe it, isn't it? But that's what he promises to do. Now, he doesn't promise this to everyone. He promises this to those who are called according to his purpose. That means those who are living their lives in right relationship to God and are are giving their purpose over to God's purpose. Well, as we uh, conclude our, our study of Joseph, I want to look at some tips that we can uh, that will help us when we're dealing with change. First of all, number one is be on the lookout for change. Don't be caught unaware. Be aware that change is coming. And know when you're in the middle of it or, or when it can be approach, approaching so we're not living in denial. We see it coming and we have an awareness so we can begin to deal with that change. And then secondly, I suggest we begin to assess the change. And so we, we say, is this something that's just going to be in the short term? Is this a long-term issue? Is this going to be something good or is this potentially terrible for me in my life? And How do I intend to respond? Isn't that an important question to be considering? How do I intend to respond to this change? Are there things I need to change through the change? Are there things I need to change through this change? And and here's an interesting question. Where is God in the changes in your life? He's right there. He's right there in the middle of them. He lives inside of you. And so he is right there. The question is, where are you in relationship to God and the change? Ask yourself, am I so connected to him that I know he will lead me through this and make all things work out? Number three is to continue to think forward. So when I'm talking about that, I am talking about this positive thinking that moves us through our problems. Now, I'm not talking about pop psychology of positive thinking. I'm talking about positive thinking that's based on scripture that will help us to move forward in our crises. And, and they will help us to become creative in the midst of change. They will help us to call on the creator, God, the author of all creativity, to help us to move forward in the change because negative thinking will keep us stuck. And then number four, I think that it's good to see change as an opportunity. And we do that by finding the benefit of change somewhere in a situation. In other words, what can I do with this change that can make my life or somebody else's life better. 
And then the last one is determine how the change affects your purpose in life. How does this change affect your personality or your gifts or your talents or your time or your goals in life? Is this change I'm dealing with something that is fine-tuning me for something greater than what I had? Is this change possibly an upgrade for me? Is that what's changing in my purpose in life? See, our, our passion and purpose in life can change from time to time. Our overall purpose in life doesn't. We're, we're called to be a bright light in the world so that people can see Christ in us. But how we do that, our little purpose in life, can change based on what, what is, we've experienced in life. And then I would ask this question, is this change being used to better my purpose? You know, I think back of all the changes I've experienced in life, whether it's uh, losing a husband, going through a divorce, uh, having um, a sick child, or ha- losing my brother through a devastating um, accident, um, losing my father in unfortunate circumstances, Um, watching my mother go through uh, life in assisted living with some challenges with her memory and coping with that, or moving from one career to a different career. Uh, All the changes, whether they have been kind of positive and fun and wonderful things or different things, I look back to see how they have shaped and reshaped my purpose in life. And I look back to see that every single one of those changes in my life have helped me to develop my overall purpose of ministering to people and to especially women who are going through various changes in life. It's what's given me new purpose. It's given me new life. It's given me revival. It's giving me a resurgence in life. It's helped me to take all of those little setbacks to have a comeback that gives me great satisfaction and joy where I am now in my life. I close with this thought of Joseph. Joseph was a favorite. He was his father's favorite. He was Potiphar's favorite. He was Pharaoh's favorite. But the most important favorite, he was God's favorite. Just as God made Joseph a favorite, each one of us is a favorite to God. We're all his favorite children. We all have favored status with God. He, he holds you as close as he holds the next one and the next one. And he has a purpose and a plan for each of us. And he promised to be with us just as he was with Joseph in all the changes of his life. God is the one fixed point through all the changes. God is our safe harbor, and he is unchanging. He is the steady, guiding hand of our Savior. We serve this wonderful, unchangeable God who is going to guide us through all of our changes. I hope you've been blessed by this. Thank you, Heavenly Father. 
that you are with us through all the changes in your in our lives but you are an unchanging force thank you that you will make all things good for those who are who love you and are called according to your purpose it's in the name of your son jesus that i pray amen